Listen, honey, what up, fam? I hope everybody's having an amazing week and I hope everybody's healthy, quarantining, still wearing your masks, still social distancing, and all y'all out in those stores who feel a little too at ease to get that close to one another, back up, please. Um, no, seriously, though, uh, I wish everybody a peaceful time quarantine right now, quarantining right now, because it's, it's hard. These times are still uncertain. And the only things that we have really are one another, our friends, our constant ways of communicating, whether it's through text messages, phone calls, emails, DMs even. And I know for me, even this podcast helps me stay positive. That's the most important thing for me these days is to find ways to stimulate my brain and to stay very positive about what I can do and how I can learn to be better and stronger each day. So today's podcast is especially for my fam. You guys know every few weeks, I want to touch base with everybody and just see how you're doing. And by that, I mean casting out a net on my Instagram to ask my fam out there any questions you may have out there regarding relationships, self-care, how to stimulate your mind, how to stimulate your relationship. Um, And if there's any questions that I don't know how to answer, I love calling upon my community of experts out there to bring forth people who can better answer questions than I can. These specific questions I have today are from my fam. And these are things that I found myself stuck at times when I didn't know how to answer. So I want to jump right into it. And I want to thank everybody who follows me on Instagram at the genie Mai. Thank you for sending me, sending me questions because I know it takes a bit of honesty and vulnerability to share with me this. So I'm going to keep names anonymous, but you know who you are. And I just want to thank you for following me and sending them in. So let's start with Miss V. So Miss V wrote me when I asked for you to send me a question. She wrote me, how do you start your self-love journey? So I don't know if many of you guys know this, but I have a, I have a YouTube called Hello Honey. I almost had a brain fart here. It's called Hello Honey, and it's on um, all digital platforms. But on this particular episode of Hello Honey, I talked about life after divorce and when I figured out it was time to start dating again, and when I figured out not to date and to make sure I quarantined when there wasn't a quarantine. So I wanted to let you guys know this because if you can find that episode on Hello Honey, it's definitely super thorough as far as what I did the few years I had to myself after I was divorced. But what I can tell you, Miss V, for right now is unfortunately and fortunately at the same time, certain things kick us off in life to realize that we need to self-love. Sometimes it's a breakup. Sometimes it's a job loss. Sometimes it's a pandemic. And it shouldn't be something super dramatic to get us to realize that we should always be loving ourselves. It isn't something that should happen after life wakes us up. But that's the great thing about life too, right? That it wakes us up when we need to be woken up. So for me, the divorce really broke, woke me up. I was married for uh, almost 10 years and knew halfway in that I just was not happy. So I should have started my self-love journey then, but I didn't. And so when I was single again, I, guys, I was so, I was just a bit lost because if you asked me what kind of relationship I wanted, 
I would jump into all these different answers of what kind of relationship I wanted, which sounded like a big chaotic mess. And I would also not know how to answer what exactly I was missing in my own life at this time. So the fact that I had this endless list of what I needed, but I didn't know what I needed for myself, pointed out to me immediately that I needed to know me first. That list that I rattled off of exactly what I needed in another person should be what I need of myself. It should be what I know for myself. And guess what? When you know what you're going to give yourself, your list is actually mad short for what you want from another person because they come equipped with their own self-love, hopefully, and what they know they already have. So really the exchange of the love you give yourself is what you give to another person. So when you know that it's not much that you need from other people, but that the robust list of what you have for yourself is, is already fulfilling, that's when you have self-love. And I didn't have that then. So Ms. V, what I want to tell you when it comes to how do you start your self-love journey is to quiet the noise. Where's the noise coming from in your life? Is it from your work? Is it from your relationships? Is it from yourself? Quiet that noise. And what I mean by that is get yourself away from that if you can. If it means distancing yourself in the relationship, girl, you got to do that. If it means stepping away from your job or taking a bold step to start a new chapter when it comes to your job, then do that. Once you step away from things that are noisy in your life, this beautiful sound starts to speak and that is your soul. And it's a magical moment. And from there, you'll hear exactly what you need for yourself. And the answer will always be peace. I tell you right now, even though I'm in a relationship, I will never trade my peace for any type of relationship out there, whether it be a work relationship or an actual love relationship. Peace of mind is everything. And when you find it and you taste it and you feel it, you realize that that is inexchangeable. So I really pray that for you, Miss V. And um, hit me up in my DMs at my Instagram, the Genie Mai, and let me know if this spoke to you. I almost didn't want to go into this, but Miss V asked a second question, but I think this, you know, it requires a bit more deep diving, but I'm going to read a bit of it because I don't want you to think I didn't see it. And she asks, how can you get over a narcissist cheater? Should you take back a cheater? Relationship talks. I'm not going to get into this because there's so, I think the word narcissist can be thrown around in so many different ways. And I'm not saying this person isn't, I'm just saying you got to get deep into that detailed question. But what I can tell you is this. That's the noise I'm talking about. The second you think you're in a relationship with someone who seems like a narcissist or if they've cheated on you and you've got to battle with your soul and your peace of mind to wonder if you need to take them back, that is noise, boo, all that. So figure out what the noise is coming from and silence that. And what comes from that will be a beautiful sound, a melody that you will never let go of. Okay, I'm moving on to my next question. This is, com- this is coming from, we're going to call her Asia. When I call, when I make up these names, by the way, I'm, I'm picking like a short version of the actual names I'm seeing here. So I hope, I hope this calls you out in some way. Obviously I'm not going to be like Timothy Magoo because that's going to be too specific, but you know who you are when I'm talking to you. So Asia says, okay, honey, how do you overcome fear? I love this question because I got a jacked up answer when I used to ask this all the time when I was younger. And that is when I would ask, how do you overcome fear? People would tell me all the time to don't let my fears overcome me, to ignore my fears, to push my fears aside, 
right? There's all these parables and things like that, that kind of pretty much make me feel like you picture fear as this obstacle in the middle of your path and you just push it aside or you ignore it and you go around it. And I got to be honest with you, that never worked for me. That never worked for me because when you have a fear, it, it, it looms over you like this unknown. And for me, my personality is when I don't understand something, I need to research it. I need to ask friends who've experienced it. I need to experience it myself. And then I can speak about it in an educated or at least an experienced way. So fear is fearing the unknown, right? Well, when you don't know it, the shit seems a lot more erratic and and massive and scarier than what you originally imagined because the unknown can really compound on top of itself. So Asia, my advice to you when it comes to overcoming fear is to absolutely face it. So I once heard fear as an acronym, which is false expectations appearing real. Think about it. When you fear something, it's everything you could possibly imagine happening or expect to happen. And it seems so real that it actually stops you in your tracks or sometimes completely deads your dreams, right? That's all that fear is. But when you really break it down in an acronym like that, you realize that it's all a bunch of bullshit. It's terrible to actually picture false expectations because all they are are that and you're letting them appear real. So break that down as an acronym and hopefully that'll stop you from making these false expectations of whatever it is you want out of your relationship, out of your life and help you to realize that whatever you have is the obstacle in front of you is really what you're creating yourself. So move that aside and keep on pushing. I hope that helped you, Asia. This is coming from, we'll call her Debbie. And Debbie asks, what advice do you have for people dealing with past trauma and quarantine brings them loneliness, which can be a huge trigger for them? (sighs) All right, Debbie, I'm really, really happy that you brought this up because Ever since the quarantine started, suicide rates have been 600% higher because people are afraid of loneliness. They are unable to communicate this and unable to connect with other people. So I'm so proud of you, Debbie, because the first thing you did here is to reach out and actually admit that this is something you're experiencing. Admitting this, talking to somebody about it, this is the first thing that you should do so that you can get advice. And so I'm here to tell you that if you're dealing with past trauma, number one, beyond the quarantine, you need to get counseling. And that can come in a myriad of ways, whether it's an actual paid therapist, whether you look for an insurance that covers some type of counseling need. Um, if you guys have heard my podcast often, I also plug something called Better Help. BetterHelp is an amazing source of therapists in your area that can also not only match what you can afford, but they have an ample source of therapists to suit any needs that you may have. And so I'm a huge believer in counseling. That's something actually I feel and attribute to the change in my life. Um, I regularly go to a therapist and I also read a lot of self-help books that help to empower me. In fact, Uh, leadership books by John Maxwell are my favorite. Any one of them are amazing. 25 ways to win with people, one of my favorites. But I advise for you, Debbie, is to first to seek help. Get a counselor, check out BetterHelp if that's a good start and find somebody that you can help to talk to to unweave some of the trauma in, in, in the back of your mind because all it is are memories that have an unfinished ending that lead to these fears 
false expectations that appear real, like we talked about, and that just can continuously haunt you. So once you find a therapist, that'll help conquer that. The second thing you should do, I think, is to journal your feelings. I know for me that when I actually journal the emotions that I'm going through, there's something calming about being able to just release all of my emotions and put it onto paper. Because inevitably when you do it, it it almost feels like a good cry. You know how sometimes even the most ugliest of cries with snot and hiccups and everything, once you're done, you actually feel a little bit better. It's like you release the biggest heave of a sigh. That's how journaling can feel. Because sometimes you're just so pent up and you need to release all of this and you put it on paper. But here's the best part. When you go back over to read it, you almost always feel so much better because you're in the future of what you once felt. And that already feels like a huge accomplishment to have overcome it and had to have moved on, even if it means the day after. I really recommend to you journaling. Now, if quarantine brings you loneliness, I, I, I know this, I, and I, I have a few friends actually who have reached out to me and told me personally that they are feeling very lonely. And, and I appreciated that because then I can be of a different type of attention and help for these friends. So what I would tell you is, have you reached out to any of your friends to tell them that you're feeling lonely? And really, honestly, there's nothing wrong with this. There's, there shouldn't be any problem with calling up with your homegirls and just saying, yo, you man, yo, man, I just got to tell you for some reason, I I've been feeling really lonely and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make a big deal of it, but I do feel concerned about it. That's okay to say. In fact, I think that's smart for you to let that be known, not only for your friend and, and not to unleash something on your friend that, you know, they should be the solution to. It's not saying that. It's more of you speaking it so that it's out of your system. Imagine when you harbor something inside of yourself. It's almost like you're working harder to keep this a secret because of your shame. And that allows it to fester and mold. Just like you keeping something that's not supposed to be kept, like something wet, let's say, like wet clothing in your laundry. You know that you're not supposed to keep wet clothing in your laundry. That's going to mold. It's going to funk. But you do it and it's in that dark, clammy space. And that's the same thing that can happen when we keep any type of shame inside of our own vessel. So definitely talk to your friends about it. And then number two, communication comes in all sorts of ways. You don't have to just call a friend to feel like your loneliness is cured. There's also text messaging with people. There's also writing letters. There's also, of course, the FaceTime, a Zoom meeting. And there's also getting out and sometimes just being around people. I know that there are many areas now where you can go to a park and still socially distance and still see the company of other people. And that, for me, I know I don't get lonely because I, I, I honestly am an introvert and I like being home by myself. But if I'm home for too long and I don't see the presence of other human beings, I start to feel really weird because I really am a, you know, I have a social life. So I have to go outside, even if it means to a grocery store. Guys, I remember when I went, I was in Atlanta and I was quarantining and I had some groceries that I could have just honestly Instacarted, but I specifically asked Jay, my fiance, please, could we go to the grocery store? And he's like, you can Instacart this or Amazon. It's so easy. But I didn't want to, you guys, because I just needed to get to the store and I just needed to see some people. I I need to see some other homie picking up their groceries. I need to see some little kid, you know, whining to their mom that they want some toys bought. I needed to see somebody working behind the checkout stand. This felt normal to me and I needed that. So if you're feeling lonely, remember that there's other levels of communication and contact. And I always tell people, it's okay to socially distance, but don't emotionally distance. 
Meaning don't emotionally disconnect yourself from people. Still have that emotional connection wherever you can, even with people you don't know. Even if it means being at a park and watching kids play, I feel like that's healing to the soul too. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, I have a really long question from a fan that a little bit more about trauma and a lot about family. If anybody can relate to this, stay tuned because we're going to get right back into my fam questions. Listen, honey, welcome back, everybody. Let's jump right back into my fam. Thank you again for all, everybody who sent your questions. Um, what I basically do, if you don't know how I got these questions, is on my Instagram, at the Genie Mai, I usually, um, maybe after, once every couple of weeks, I send out on my DMs and ask for everybody to hit me up with questions. And I collect them, and I love being able to answer your questions. It just gives me a way to connect with you guys and to make sure that I'm using this platform to tend to your guys' needs and to answer all of your questions too. So thank you for submitting them. So this comes from Lucky. We're going to call this person Lucky. And Lucky says, Jeannie, if a sister does not like me, what would your advice be for me to deal with that? I'm owning up to maybe how she was affected by me. I unknowingly did not purposely hurt her or cheated with her spouse or did her wrong. Woo. In my past, I went to therapy, but not just for her, but for myself. And it has softened my soul and I have completely changed and I feel healed from past trauma. I feel great. I just love my family. My sister has disowned me in all areas in life. She isn't my only sister, but seems like the rest has followed her. What is your advice on that? Thank you, honey. All right, Lucky. Uh, first off, you kind of put this in parentheses when it said you did not purposely hurt her or cheated with her spouse or did her wrong. It, I don't know what it is you did to this person, but, but if it's anything along those lines of cheating or her spouse involved, that is a, a sticky situation. So if it's along those terms, your sister deserves as much time as she wants to take her time to get over it, if she even chooses to. That, that this is her issue. Um, so, so I just want you to be mindful of that, but going back to you, I'm proud of you for having gone through therapy. Remember though, therapy isn't just for that time of the issue. It should be, it, therapy is something that should be a practice in your life. The art of communication, the art of being self-aware is something that you should practice all the time. So make sure that you're still regularly going to this therapist. And sounds like your actions with your current family members, sounds like you're appreciative of them. This is great. This is all very important, obviously, to you be healthy, for you to be healthy and whole within yourself. What I'm going to say about your sister is this. I've learned that it is not your job to make other people like you. And it is not other people's job to like you. It just is. So when it comes to whether or not she likes you or whether or not she wants to be in contact with her, that's her prerogative. And you've got to accept that. You will drive yourself crazy for no reason if you're working day in, day out to get this person to love you when this person is probably living their own best life. And guess what? This person you have to own, they may be better off not contacting with you. That, mean, they, that might be the best kind of sister you have. One that doesn't feel resentful towards you or doesn't have a salty attitude towards you or doesn't have to pretend liking you, but in the back of her mind is sitting here spewing shit about you. So I would respect your sister's space and let her be. And as long as you are being the best type of sister you can be to the rest of your family members and be the best family member you can be to your family, girl, that's your job. That's a lot on its own. That is a lot. So do not worry about this other person. Please go on about your business 
and do take care of you. All right, moving on. All right, this question I have from what I'm going to call my little am. Am in Vietnamese means little sister or like loved one. And so this little am here is 16 years old. She has a question which goes, I've been dying to ask and get advice from someone who relates. I'm 16. Do you have any advice for someone trying to tell their mom they were sexually abused? Now that I'm constantly with her, I have time to tell her, but it's so hard and I don't know how. So am, um, I know that you're referring to my own confrontation with my mom from my series, Hello Honey, and I'm going to give you the same advice I took myself, which is you will be ready to confront her when the reason you confront her is more for you than it is for her. Meaning when I confronted my mom about my sexual abuse, I didn't confront my mom expecting her to apologize or to explain why she didn't defend me when I needed her to, or to coddle me and, and, and boohoo with me and hug me and tell me she's sorry. I really just told her because it had been pent up inside of me that I've been holding for a long time, that I felt upset with her actions and that I felt like we need to just have the elephant in the room addressed. But that was really what I would have been satisfied with doing. I did not need her response. And that is when I knew it was okay to confront her. If I had wanted to confront my mom and have her respond the way I wanted her to, I could have been really sadly disappointed. And that's why I'll never advise somebody to confront their loved one with the expectations of how they should react. Because I'm guaranteeing you, most of the time, it's not going to be that way. People have their own reasons for reacting a certain way, whether they're ashamed, they don't know how to have, they don't have the right answers. My mom's first language is in English. So I'm pretty sure she would have said a whole bunch of fucked up things that I would have been even more angry at her about. So I really just told her to get it off my chest. What my mom did after was her own accord, but I did have to lead her a little bit. If you watch that episode, I had to explain to her why it's important for her to just, and I mean this with all respect, so I don't mean to diss my mom by saying this, but I really needed her to just shut up and listen at that time. I really needed her to just zip it and listen to what I had to say. And you know what was crazy? I I recently watched Athlete A, which is the documentary with Larry Nassar. And at the end, all the victims that were sexually abused by Larry Nassar stood in front of the courtroom and read their testimony to him. And he sat there and just cringed and, 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 you know, shrank as these women were telling him the horrendous stories of what he was doing to them, but they didn't need him to respond. All they needed was for him to listen. And on the opposite side of that, you had Jeffrey Epstein who did not make it to the courtroom to listen to his survivors disgusting recollections of their time with him. And he cowardly didn't make it to the very final scene of his fate. And that was unsettling to the survivors because to them, just having somebody actually sit there and have to listen to what they went through can be just enough of the healing we need. But instead, these survivors very bravely told their stories in front of the judge. And she sat and gave every single survivor each of their dude time to speak of their experience with Epstein. And that alone gave them some closure. And so for me, I, I advise you that the time that you feel ready to tell your mom is when you are ready to just tell her so that she just hears you and nothing else. 
Anything else on top of that will be a blessing if she handles it the right way, but do not internalize the way she reacts and know that what you did is a brave move to just speak your feelings, speak your truth and be prepared to tell her how you're healing from it now so that she knows as a mother that she needs to support you in that because you're already on your way. I hope that helped you. By the way, I want you guys to know this podcast is really a platform of mine that I'm very proud to, to, to be able to have, whether it's learning something myself through my amazing, talented guests or to speak some wisdom or some of my own experience to you guys. I'm not an expert. What I say is nowhere near perfect of an answer and it may not work for everybody, but it's just something that I personally went through myself. So please know that if any of my answers help you in, in, in any way, please do share this podcast with your other friends so that they can listen to it or write back to me. I read all of my reviews on iTunes. And if you can let me know what hit you, you know, what you want to hear more of, this would help guide me so that I use this privilege in the right way to serve you guys. All right. We have time for one last question. And that is, oh, I love this. We are going to call this Berta. All right. So Berta, what up girl? I got your question and you said, how has quarantine changed you? Oh, I love this question. I got to tell you guys, I know 2020 has been one of the most raw and difficult years um, that we've had in the last decade. But I have to tell you, it has been the most necessary for me. First, when it comes to supporting and fighting with our black community, that has been an eye-opening experience for me. I've never watched so many documentaries from Slavery by Another Name to every PBS special. I've learned everything uh, backwards and forwards about Malcolm X to Harriet Tubman and still continue to learn just because I can't believe that I, the education I thought I had in high school and elementary school wasn't the education that I needed. So learning today about systemic racism, learning about our, um, and how the Emancipation Proclamation really wasn't that until years later. And, you know, the redlining that still takes place today when it comes to discriminatory actions that are still Jim Crow-ish, I, I'm blown away. And I, I'm so humbled to say that, you know, this year has really taught me what I don't know. And so that's the first thing I would say, honestly, where I'm sitting back and just really learning and absorbing and listening as much as I possibly can to teach myself what I need to understand and what I need to feel. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, the next thing that quarantine has taught me is how valuable communication and relationships are. You know, when we've been holed up in our homes and been almost scared to go out in public, it really changes your relationships with community and society and that's really all we have when it comes to why we enroll our kids in school and why we decide to buy houses in nice neighborhoods and why we want to go outside and take a nice walk. It's really community is everything. And so it really made me realize that this is kind of crazy. I'm going to get on my political platform for just a second. It made me realize that all this angst and energy I put into my presidential vote I should be concentrating on my local voting and my understanding of my 
local representation, my governor, my mayor, all of my community electives. Like these are the people that make the day-to-day that I need to care about. My gas prices, my roads, the education around my neighborhoods for other children and their families, the safety, the funding of the police, all of these laws that I need to be super aware of. I have the power to vote that in my, in, in my local office. And so these are, these are some of the things that really hit me hard in the last three months and I'm continuing to learn. So I would say that's really the two main things where quarantine changed me. Other than that, I've really enjoyed learning how to fucking cook. You guys, I, I really, I I have a good taste for flavor and being Asian American, I'm so thankful to understand all the my differences between all the zesty, amazing spices and savory herbs and things like that that Vietnamese cooking entails. But I never really learned the art of cooking with it. And the thing I love about Asian cooking is it's not, it's very complex. Things have to be broiled and brewed and boned the night before. Stews have to be sitting on the stove for at least 24 hours before you can even call it pho. You know, there's a million different herbs and spices and uh, things that go into one dish. And I'm learning to appreciate that. So I'm actually now respecting my mom's cooking so much more because when I was growing up, I never paid attention to her cooking and I lost. Because today I'm like heating up you know, microwave dishes and throwing together quesadillas and easy college shit. So I'm actually learning how to make more complex recipes. Like I make it a cauliflower mashed potato and I'm putting air quotes around potato because my, um, cause Jay, my fiance is keto. And so he won't eat potatoes. So I actually learned how to whip together the fluffiest cauliflower mash and with 25 cloves of garlic, by the way. So if you check out my podcast or if you check out my YouTube, hello, honey, you'll see that. But I'm killing it over here, folks. So I just got to learn how to make fun next. And then I am popping. All right. That wraps it up for my fam questions um, this week. And gosh, I, I have to tell you, I'm so thankful to be able to have such deep, introspective questions like these last few ones that I shared with you guys. Thank you so much for everybody sending in your questions. If you have any further questions that you want to be considered on Listen Honey, please do hit me up in the DMs at the Genie Mai. And please rate and review this podcast. I read all of your reviews. I'm so appreciative of it. And I hope everybody out there is staying safe. Please do bunker down, wear your mask, wash your hands, take care of one another, and call somebody you love. Call somebody that just popped up in your mind right when I said this here. You know who I'm talking about. Let them know that you thought of them. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey.